Well, good morning to you all. It's great to be with you again. Uh, my name is Dan Wake, uh, in case you don't know who I am. And it's, uh, yeah, really is my pleasure to be sharing with you again this morning. My task today is to introduce the new theme and Sunday preaching series, which will take us from today uh, through until around the beginning of August in the Hub. We have spent the last few months in the Old Testament book of Daniel. It is a story which has helped us see God's presence and sovereignty with the displaced people in exile. We liken the circumstance of the Israelites in exile with our own present circumstances in the midst of a global pandemic. We are living in strange times and the book of Daniel reminds us that God is in control. He is sovereign and that the powers of darkness will not prevail. God is victorious. The book of Daniel invited us to participate in the story of God's people and we find hope in challenging circumstances in the same way those Jewish exiles did. We found the story of God as told in the book of Daniel alive and well and just as pertinent today. Each term in the hub, the teaching team, in conjunction with the leadership team, undertake a process of discerning the next theme and preaching series for the church. This process of discernment involves prayer, uh, prophetic input, consideration of events in in the church community and in the wider society, and, and also the sharing of creative ideas, all of which feed in to a collective dialogue towards what we believe God is leading us to focus on as a church community. And as we near what we hope and pray is the end of lockdown and social distancing measures, we collectively felt God's leading to sit at the feet of Jesus for this next period. We felt God was speaking to us about inner and root growth, and that it was a season for us to grow and be equipped as a community of disciples together. Through Our discernment process, we felt drawn to the life of Jesus in the Gospels, and in particular to the Sermon on the Mount located in the Gospel of Matthew. The sermon we felt would be culture-shaping, character-forming, equipping, and would grow us as disciples together, and of course deepen our relationship with Jesus. We realise that as we come out of lockdown and as we emerge from a turbulent year, there may be other issues, particularly around the whole area of well-being, that it will be important to to consider. And we'll be looking at other ways to help us all in this area. We're trusting in where God has led us into the Sermon on the Mount and sitting at the feet of Jesus at this time. I've no doubt the words of Jesus in the sermon will speak to our well-being and we'll find words of wisdom and encouragement as we emerge from lockdown. We're choosing to call this series Kingdom Roots, the Sermon on the Mount. We want to establish and nurture roots in our lives and in our church community, which are of God's kingdom. This theme also sits well with the prophetic sound and in particular to a dream Dave Butler shared with us earlier this year, um, at least in part that's 
just that about root growth. To do that, we're sitting at the feet of Jesus as we work through the Sermon on the Mount from the Gospel of Matthew and chapters 5 through 7. We're not doing the whole of Matthew, but it's important to know the context. For a really good overview of the book of Matthew, I'd highly recommend watching the Bible Project overview of Matthew videos on YouTube or on their website. There is a part one and there's a part two of these videos, and they are excellent at drawing the big picture of scripture and of individual books together. So please do have a watch of these engaging and informative videos. They are an excellent resource and uh, the videos of Matthew will really help you get a good understanding of what's going on. We'll post some links to uh, to the videos on Facebook sometime in the next day or two. Having shared a bit of the journey to how we have arrived at the series on the Sermon on the Mount, I now want to give you an introduction to the sermon, so let's dive on in. Although the Sermon on the Mount is recorded in chapter 5 through to the end of chapter 7, In order to understand what's going on and to understand the significance, we need to take a brief look at the events in the story leading up to the sermon, as well as little of what closes and follows the sermon. And I want to begin then with just a brief opening comment about chapter 7, verses 28 to 29, the final two verses in the Sermon on the Mount. You can open the pages of your Bible, switch on your device and read along, or simply listen. That's entirely up to you. Matthew 7 verses 28 to 29 says this, and remember, this is the closing statement of the sermon. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. That statement, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Whatever Jesus has been teaching has had a profound impact on the crowd. They are amazed at his teaching because Jesus taught with authority, more so than their teachers of the law. What is it that Jesus has been teaching and why is it so significant? There is clearly something significant in what the crowds have heard. Something life-changing, something with the power to transform, something which compels the crowd to make the choice to follow Jesus. Verse 1 of chapter 8 affirms that large crowds follow Jesus as he comes off the mountainside. And as we go through this series on the Sermon on the Mount... My prayer for us as listeners to Jesus' teaching, uh, for us as perhaps an extension of this crowd following Jesus, is that we too would find ourselves in amazement at the teaching of Jesus and feel compelled to follow him. Having made a very brief comment then about the closing verses of chapter 7, I want to turn our attention now to the events leading up to the sermon, the early part of Matthew's gospel story. In doing so, I trust we'll begin to see the significance of what is going on in the Sermon on the Mount. The book of Matthew begins with the family line of Jesus, and of course Jesus' birth both of which connect to the Old Testament. 
Then at the end of chapter 2, we see Jesus coming out of Egypt after his family had fled there to escape Herod. In chapter 3, Jesus comes through the waters of baptism. And then in chapter 4, we have the account of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, where he has been for 40 days and 40 nights. For those of you familiar with the biblical story, the early part of Matthew may seem a little familiar. Coming out of Egypt, through the waters, into the wilderness for a period of 40 years, 40 days. What we have here are deliberate echoes to the Exodus story as told in the Old Testament book of Exodus. And I'll say more about this later. Following Jesus' time of testing in the wilderness, we then see the calling of the first disciples. The first disciples called in Matthew 4 are Simon, called Peter, his brother Andrew, James and his brother John, all four fishermen. Jesus speaks the words, follow me, and they follow Now, we don't know the exact time frame, but the words at once and immediately in the text tell us that their response is without delay. There's no prayer and fasting, no SWOT analysis, no risk assessment. They just go. They drop everything and go. Jesus' call to follow is a radical call requiring a radical response. To follow Jesus into the unknown. Let's now read the final part of Matthew chapter 4 verse 23 through to the opening verse 1 of chapter 5 which launches us in to the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee The Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. And now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And that is where Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount begins. But what does this passage of scripture and the opening story tell us? What we see then as Jesus comes out of the wilderness period is the start of him gathering a people. We have the calling of the first four disciples. And then this last passage tells us that large crowds from various cities, towns and regions began to follow him. They are those who are suffering, those who are ill, those possessed, the paralysed, the marginalised, the poor, all gathering around Jesus. And why? Because they had heard about Jesus and all that he was doing, healing and performing miracles. 
They had heard of the good news of the kingdom, both being proclaimed, taught and preached, and being demonstrated through healings, mighty and powerful image-restoring deeds. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. What's happening then is that Jesus is forming a new people. I mentioned earlier about the echoes to the Exodus story, the coming out of Egypt, through the waters, into the wilderness, and of course the forming of a new people. I think the author of Matthew's Gospel is trying to tell us that what we have in the presence of, sorry, the person of Jesus is a new and greater Moses. In Jesus, Matthew is reenacting the story of Moses and Israel coming out of Egypt, passing through the waters into the wilderness. And what follows in the Exodus story is the giving of the law at Mount Sinai through Moses, which was designed to set the people of God, Israel, apart from the other nations and for them to reflect God's character. And so as we go into chapter 5, verse 1 of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, the author describes Jesus going up onto a mountainside, sitting down and beginning to teach. This then is most likely echoing Mount Sinai, where Yahweh gives the law to Israel through Moses. And therefore, what we're meant to understand of what follows in the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus bringing about a new kind of law. One that, again, isn't so much about the do's and don'ts, but more about the forming of a people who are set apart, that are different from the world around. A people who stand for justice, who are to be a blessing to all those around them, and who are ultimately reflecting the character of the one true God. I don't know if you have seen the word art that you could buy, which begins in this house and is followed by we do love we do real we do kindness we do fun uh, we do i'm sorry and even we do kitchen dancing uh, you can buy them as wall stickers or photo prints to frame we have one that emma made for our family it's uh normally sits in our lounge uh and uh It identifies in words key values or the key culture of our family. If you observed our family enough, and maybe some of you have and do, then we hope that you would see in our behaviour a reflection of the values and much of the culture that we have written up. Do we always achieve it? No. Do we sometimes act counter to our family culture? Sadly, yes. But what we have written down in words informs others and reminds us of what it looks like to be part of our family, the Wake family. It describes and reflects what we value and how we behave. What we have then in the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus speaking out in words and teaching what being a part of his family and his kingdom looks like. A new way of life, reflecting what God is like, what he values, the ethics of God's kingdom. 
Jesus was about teaching, proclaiming and demonstrating the good news of the kingdom, as we saw earlier in chapter 4, verse 23. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, he is inaugurating, he's bringing into being through the spoken words, the good news of the kingdom. And what follows the sermon in chapters 8 and 9 show us what the good news of the kingdom looks like through Jesus' deeds. They are a collection of short stories of Jesus' healing, deliverance and signs and wonders. Jesus is gathering and forming a new people. And the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' ethics of what his kingdom people should look like. Who are the people Jesus is gathering? As you saw earlier, it's the fishermen, it's the four disciples. It's the sick, it's the hurting, it's the oppressed, it's the poor, it's the marginalised, it's the downtrodden, it's the unlovely, it's the outcasts, it's the wrong, it's the lonely, it's the hopeless. If we can identify with any of those groups of people, and I'm certain we all can at times, then this sermon is good news for you and for us together. Jesus wants you to know the good news of his kingdom and he extends an invitation for you and for all of us to join him and follow him. Can I encourage us to join Jesus on the mountainside and to sit at his feet as we go through this new series? Would we open ourselves up to the words of Jesus about his kingdom? And what the good news of the kingdom looks like. If we will, then I'm confident that what Jesus has to say will impact on how we view people. Our relationships with others, our marriages, our workplaces, our leadership. What we do with our possessions, how we live generously, even our health and well-being. Jesus will deal with issues of sexual impurity, of anger, of greed of lack of integrity, of social injustice, and not just because he likes to get under our skin and tell us off, but because he is about restoration and reconciliation. He's about freeing people who are trapped, and he's about human flourishing. We all arrive at this sermon from different places. Our lives will have taken different paths. Our experiences will vary from person to person. Our hang-ups, our our character flaws will be different from others. The words of Jesus in this sermon are likely to feel uncomfortable at times. There are times in the sermon that Jesus wants to dig down to the roots of what is wrong with a human condition and what taunts us as individuals. Jesus' teaching is likely to challenge what society around us is telling us. For some of us, the teaching of Jesus will require radical change, maybe most of us. For others, it might be a smaller adjustment to the way we behave or act. Whatever Jesus requires of us, it's okay. Because Jesus is proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And his kingdom and our invitation to follow him is one which brings healing, freedom, flourishing, hope, restoration with God and with others. John Stott, in his commentary 
on the Sermon on the Mount says this. So Jesus confronts us with himself. He sets before us the radical choice between obedience and disobedience and calls us to an unconditional commitment of mind, will and life to his teaching. The sermon sermon reveals to us who Jesus is, reveals to us his character from the mouth of Jesus himself and compels us to answer his question, will you follow me? Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your life, for your death, for your resurrection, for the hope uh, that you bring. Jesus, thank you for uh, your word, this Bible. Thank you for these words that we've been reading about this morning, for the Sermon on the Mount, for, for the words you spoke about your kingdom and what it means to follow you and what it looks like, what your kingdom looks like. God, we want to be a part of your kingdom. We want to be part of reflecting who you are, your character and your nature. Lord Jesus, would you help us as we embark on this series? We pray that we'd approach it fully. We pray that, Spirit of God, you'd fill us with your presence, that you'd stir our hearts for you as we work through these chapters. Lord Jesus, would you do a work in us, we pray. We pray we'd be wholehearted in our journey through this book and in our, in our response to you. Lord, help us where we need to change. Help us where we need to reflect you in a better way. Spirit, empower us, we pray. Lord, I want to thank you that you're the God of grace and you're the God of mercy. And even as we think about these things you're going to talk to us and maybe the things you're raised, Lord God, I thank you that there's, that your grace abounds. So move in us today, Lord Jesus. And may we flourish in you as we journey through this, these chapters, this sermon, and as we look to respond to you and to Lord, help us answer that question of following you and to say, yes, we'll follow you, Jesus. Thank you for who you are, Lord God. Keep revealing yourself to us, we pray, and help us in our daily living, we ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. And can I just end by encouraging us to perhaps read the Gospel of Matthew over this next week and maybe linger in the Sermon on the Mount allowing the words of Jesus to soak over us and to penetrate our hearts and minds through the Spirit. Thanks for listening and God bless.